roses turn to scat It's better because of you and that's a fact We're in this together, you and I We're in this together, you and I Uh, Let's jump in. Welcome back to You'll Understand When You're Younger. I'm Jordan. And I'm Brian. And... It feels good to be back, Dad. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Last we recorded, we were both together. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. We were both together in uh, a state that's different than either of us is in right now. There's a mouthful, but yes, true. (laughs) And now we're back and better than ever, and we're starting the new year. We've got some, some exciting things planned. I haven't shared any of it with you, but I've Awesome. I'm looking forward thinking about the podcast and how we can make it better so i don't know if we will but we're going to try we can think about it if nothing else yes and today in case you're illiterate or dyslexic or whatever we're talking about the sony walkman yes Uh, but first we should probably do the weekly question yeah so the leak the weekly excuse me the weekly question is a little bit different this week and it's because one of my it's friends... it's leakly. It's leakly, yes. One of my friends, Edward, today, specifically, took the U.S. citizen uh, exam, if you will, and had to go through his U.S. citizen review and interview, and he passed. So he's been diligently studying for the last week <laughs> for the exam, And so I thought instead of asking a single question, I was going to throw out five U.S. citizenship test questions to you to see how you do on those. Did you pick pick hard ones? So what I did, Jordan, I I knew that you might uh, wonder that. So what I did is there's actually a test out on the Internet that randomizes the 100 questions that are on the test. So I am going to ask you these questions live. I have no idea what the questions are. I did not pick them. Okay, great. That's that's all I needed to hear. I'm ready now. All right. So it's going to be, I'm going to click. Now, there's a couple of ways we can do this. This is a multiple choice. So I could give you what the options are, or you could just say, no, I'm going to just give you what the answer is or what you think the answer is. I'm okay either way, but you let me know how you want to do it before we start. Uh, let, Let's not do multiple choice. Let's just see if I can do short form. Awesome. All right. I'm going to go ahead and start with the first question. When do we celebrate Independence Day? We celebrate it on July 4th, 1770. Well, we celebrate July 4th, 1776, but we celebrate it on July 4th every year. That is is correct, sir. All right. We'll go on to the next one. Almost messed up on the wording of the first one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll go to the next question. test anxiety go ahead how how old do citizens have to be to vote for president you have to be 18 to vote for president but you uh have to be 35 to run for president that is accurate on both counts all right let me move to the next question what does the constitution do the constitution the Constitution. Sorry, I'm having a Narragansett fresh catch citrus session <laughs> ale. Nice. The Constitution 
guarantees the rights of citizens from their government. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the answer that they give is slightly less complex because you got to remember a lot of folks who are uh, doing this are maybe new to new to the U.S. So they say it defines our system of government. So yours was much more detailed and accurate, but the answer that they give is defines our system. Th- that's true, though. I did miss that part. Like we have the the Bill of Rights and the amendments to the Constitution, but I didn't touch on the articles, so I'll give myself half credit. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, let me move on to the next question. Who is the commander-in-chief of the military? The President of the United States. That is, in fact, accurate. We have one more question right now. This is question number five. What ocean is on the west coast of the United States. Tony wouldn't be able to answer this question, and he's a American <laughs> citizen. Uh, the Pacific Ocean. That is accurate. Ding, 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 ding. Five out of five. Or, as you mentioned, maybe four and a half out of five. Those were well easy, done. though. I, well, want, I want another hard ones. Okay, well, I can go ahead and see what the next question is here. All right. I say we just keep this bad boy rolling. Okay, so the next question is, what are the two major political parties in the United States? Well, that, first of all, that shouldn't be on the citizenship test. Well, it is. Second, the two major parties are the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. That's not anywhere in our system of government, and you, do, you shouldn't have to know that to be a U.S. citizen. I'm not going to dispute that, but it is one of the questions. All right. Garbage. The, the, next, the next question is, name one war fought by the United States in the 1900s. In the 1900s? I could go with World War One. I. I could go with World War Two. I. I could go with Vietnam. I could go with Korea, whatever they have on the multiple choice. They have World War One listed, and you would okay. be correct. All right, so... One more question is, name one U.S. territory. Guam. That is the one that they listed on the test, so well done. All right. Well, how much studying was Edward doing, for God's sake? Well, hold on. I'm going to give you – this one's actually somewhat of a challenging question. I, I, I would put a lot of money that you will get it correct, but this is a challenging question. So this is the last question. If both the president and the vice president can no longer serve, who? The speaker of the house. Becomes president. Yes. And just just throwing this out there because of all the speaker of the house stuff that happened this week, do you happen to know if there's not a speaker of the house, who is the next in line? The oldest member of the Senate. No, that is not correct. The the cabinet member for housing and urban development. I it is know. not. It it is a member of the Senate. It's it's the president pro tem. Yeah, yeah, Senate. yeah. I was right. So they give that to the oldest, generally to the oldest person in the Senate. I just didn't know the name for it. That is the name for it. The let, let me look pro- up that. Let me look up who's the president pro tem of the Senate. All right, sounds good. You mean who's the current one is? Yeah, yeah. 
It was in the news last week, and I would have been able to tell you last week. Now I've forgotten it since we have a speaker. Patty Murray of Washington, the second most senior senator in the majority Democratic Party. Yeah. There you go. Let's see how old she is. She's... So the average age of a of a senator is ninety eight. So if she's older than that, <laughs> then it's good enough. <laughs> she's only seventy two. What? Wow, she's a spring chicken compared to most folks in the Senate and, <laughs> and our, the, in and our presidential last couple presidents. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um. Yeah, so that is what I meant, and I, if I would have seen that on a multiple choice test, I would have gotten it right. Just sure, so clear. Well, yep, sure, of course. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean, good for citizens becoming citizens, and that's fun. They've yeah, ab- absolutely. I I'm so thinking so now now that fantasy's over, and I've won yeah. both leagues that I was in. Yeah, well done, Tony. I think lost, right? He did. He, I can't wait to, for him to take the uh, LSAT. Take the LSAT, but it would also be yes. fun for him to take the citizenship test. So maybe we'll have to make <laughs> him lose next year too. Well, I don't. I don't think we're going to have to make him do anything. I think he'll just naturally do that because I think he was last place last year too. He's always looking for sleeper candidates, and they just never work out. They don't. But that's all right. Good questions of the week dad good uh what what did we call it uh we call it Le- uh, leakly question the leakly question this week yes well i i liked it um and now let's jump in uh, away from the u.s government and talk about japan and talk about <laughs> the sony walkman i i'm looking forward to it Okay, so on Sunday or Saturday? Sunday, Saturday, Saturday. On Saturday, I went to brunch with all of my friends who I coined the lady lawyers because they're all women in law school. Yes. And they... Sounds like a TV show, actually. Jordan and the lady lawyers or just the yeah. lady lawyers? It could be both. Uh, we went to a brunch place in Cambridge called Bluestone Lane, an Aust- okay. Australian brekkie joint. Nice. And I had, I, I was just saying to mom, the older I get, the younger I feel. I think I would have like Benjamin Button disease because... <laughs> I today or not today on Saturday I looked at the menu and I saw avocado toast with poached eggs, arugula salad and bacon on the side and I was like damn that sounds great which is <laughs> the most 23 year old thing I've ever thought. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like very uncharacteristic of me. It is. But I ate it. It was wonderful. Then I had to take the tea back into the city, and I was it's the red line, and it's Harvard okay. Square. Yes. And as I was going on, uh, there was a girl who was selling Girl Scout cookies in the tea, which immediately struck me as just the smartest thing anybody has ever done. 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, good opportunity there for, for her to make some cash. Revolutionary, because here's what I did. I let the train leave, and I stayed, and I went <laughs> and bought two boxes of Thin Mints. Of course you did. And then the next train came, and the red line is in serious disrepair in terms of the, the various lines of of the T. It is the one okay. which needs the next upgrade they just replaced all of the train cars on the orange line this year right when we were out there they did that now they need to fix up the red line pretty seriously the blue line is relatively new the green line is also in the in the process of getting mostly new cars uh they already had pretty new cars sure they just opened a new extension for the green line even but the the red line is the bastard child of the T these days. Okay. Even though it runs all the way through Cambridge into the city and down into Quincy, I actually think it it's probably left to disrepair because it's in such high demand all the time right. that they probably don't have a, a good opportunities for shutdown. That'd be my right. guess. Right, right, because it seemed like when they shut down the Orange Line, yes, it was a, a major inconvenience, but it seemed like the red line would be like the lifeblood. So if that one was down, there would be a lot of folks that would be unhappy. I wonder if they would have to shut it off like at one section, you know, north of this is shut they, down for a they, time. they do that. They do uh, spot repairs for sure. all of the lines uh, to fix like slow zones and stuff. But sure. Um, the red line needs more help than that. Specifically, it needs new train cars because when this train pulled up, the train car that stopped in front of me, therefore the one that I would board, yes, had all of the lights shut off. So it was a middle car of the train, but it had no power to it. What? But they normally, when there's like issues with a train car, they set it so that the doors don't open, so that you can't get on the train car. Right, right that makes sense. But for this one, they either the conductor didn't know that the electrical system was not working or didn't care. So the doors still opened, but it was just pitch black in there. And the red line is under an underground train for at least the portion, a couple portions from Cambridge to Boston. Sure. But instead of walking down to the next car, I was like, well, this will be a fun story. And I got on to the pitch black a uh, red line car with my okay. two boxes of Girl Scout cookies. All right. And there were two young men, probably about 17, who had a very large light-up Bluetooth speaker that were smoking a blunt and oh, playing very loud music on this light-up speaker. And I was like, wow, this is neat. Like, I'm on the trap train. This will, like, be a moment <laughs> in history to be on the trap train because I'm pretty sure they're going to fix this car at some point or at least take it off the line. But sure. for this one ride, me and these two men will sit in the dark and a very cantankerous homeless woman who was accosting everybody on the trap train. Okay. Uh and rode in from Cambridge to Boston. And what struck me about being on the trap train was the trap component, the music that they were playing. 
because sure. I was like, what a moment in time we live in. And when this red line was commissioned, they probably never thought there would be a time when somebody could bring a light up Bluetooth speaker and annoy everybody on the train. Now, of course, it wasn't annoying because I was on the trap train and everybody was getting a contact high and it was a good time. <laughs> but normally when people play music aloud on the train, I'm like, hmm, this isn't great. Not a good solution. And so I was thinking about the concept of portable music, sure, which led me to iPods, but that's a vast topic. We'll get into it another time. And then, you know, there's, there's CD players, but... It, it's not the same because no. the most iconic portable music player beside the iPod, the analog uh, version of it, analogous to an iPod, the uh, uh, is the Sony Walkman. Absolutely. And uh, I'm a Sony fanboy. I believe you asked once where my brand loyalties lied. Yes, uh, I did. As a weekly question. And I gave Sony as an example because you I did. use their camera stuff and I love their audio equipment. And uh, and the Sony Walkman is certainly part of that history. So I just wanted to find a way to work in my story about being on the trap train. Well, I like that because actually that did remind me of maybe it wasn't a light-up Bluetooth speaker that we got trapped on, but we certainly had ghetto blasters when I was younger. And so while that was not a portable Bluetooth speaker, you certainly had cassette tapes that were put into those ghetto blasters. Or if you could get coverage, you would have a radio station and people would walk around with those throughout the city streets and on buses and play them as loud as they could. In fact, there is a very famous scene in Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee with a gentleman who did that. And it led to some heated a discussion and a fight. Interesting. So, yeah. And by ghetto blaster, you mean boombox? But yes, boombox, ghetto blaster, correct. Okay, got it. So they all used cassettes at the time, the compact cassette. Right. Uh, and that was developed in the 60s, 1963, by Philips. Before that, um, sound was recorded primarily on magnetic tape, which is also what's inside of cassettes, but you would just have a reel-to-reel tape player as opposed to having a fixed cassette that could go forward and backward, depending on the player. Right. Um, you would set the, the reel uh, on one end with your magnetic tape, and then you'd put an empty reel on the other end of the magnetic tape player, and you would load the sound uh, magnetic tape from one reel to another, hence the reel-to-reel -reel yep. nomenclature. And then you take that other reel off, and then you could flip it if you wanted to. But the compact cassette got rid of the need for you to grab the magnetic tape and run your fingers in between the friction head that actually made the sound and just allowed you to press a button and not touch the media at all. So right. people thought it was a good idea. They started putting it into car stereos, as you mentioned. Yes. Uh, but for home listening, people still were sticking to vinyl. 
Right. It just was too complicated uh, to try and popularize putting a vinyl player in a car. Some cars did have that, uh, but it wasn't, it was never something that every car had in the way that every car went on to have a cassette player. Yes. And so Phillips invented the cassette in 1963, and then everybody who was an electronics firm started making tape players, uh, including tape players for your house and uh, portable tape players. Because in the time of reel-to-reel magnetic tape players, there was still definitely portable. I have a portable reel-to-reel tape player. Uh, Yeah. And you could record to the magnetic tape or you could uh, just listen to it. I have... Uh, tapes, magnetic tapes, not cassette tapes, from my grandfather that he recorded for my grandmother when he was in Vietnam. Uh, And that's kind of special. And you can play those on the reel-to-reel. But I think about all the things that he had to carry when he was in Vietnam. And I think about that 15-pound reel-to-reel recorder. And... Then I think about boom boxes, and I'm like, man, people will really just lug anything around in order to have music, which is yes. kind of special. It tells you a lot about the relationship that humans have with music. Absolutely. But not everybody wanted to walk around with portable players. And the big thing with portable players was that, yes, you could bring them from place to place, and yes, you could run them on batteries. But if you were walking with a magnetic reel-to-reel tape player or (laughs) an existing portable tape player, you would have just the worst quality of sound that you could imagine because the vibrations of you walking and swinging your arm, no matter how hard you tried to stay still, uh, would cause the the medium to either scratch, skip, all kinds of issues. Uh, You could break the electronics. And so before the emergence of the Walkman, it was difficult to have a a private soundtrack in your ear all the time, which is something that we all kind of can take for granted now. You walk through the airport with your AirPods in, either listening to a podcast or listening to a song and kind of transporting you to another world, which they call the Walkman effect. And that's named after, of course, the Sony Walkman. Yep. The co-founder of Sony, Masaru Ibuka, I think I'm pronouncing that right, had a portable cassette recorder, the TCD-5, that he would carry around. Oh, go ahead. Say, how big was that? Um, It's smaller than a bread box. Oh, okay. But, but larger than the Walkman? Larger than the Walkman, of course. Uh, it was a, it was still a, a portable cassette recorder. So think, I mean, if you've seen a, a, a portable two-deck tape player. and Oh, sure, sure. That makes like sense. That. Okay. You, you've okay. seen that wow. before. Absolutely. So it had like a handle, you know, and he would carry it around. But it was bulky you know comparatively and he had to travel a lot for business being the co-founder of one of the largest japanese electronics firms 
and so he asked his R&D team to design a playback-only stereo version that would be optimized for headphone use so that he could walk around uh, listening to music when he wanted to uh, and not worry about recording, which was kind of a novel idea because recording was always just one of those taken-for-granted feature sets of both magnetic tape players and compact cassettes. Everybody just, whenever you had a playback device, of course you would also have a recording device, Um, which is something we've kind of gotten back to now in the age of the smartphones. We have a voice recorder on our phone, whatever. Uh, There's obviously a microphone, but nobody ever just sat down and thought, hey, people like listening to music. People like uh, having privacy. Maybe we should design something for that. Uh, until this guy who was running around with his own product realized it. And I think, I I don't think he knew that it was going to be a commercial success. It was more just a convenient thing for him since he traveled so much. Uh, So they made the Walkman TPS L2, which was navy blue with a silver side where all the buttons were. Oh, sure, yeah. And a a yellow power button, I believe, is what that is on the top. And they released it in on July first, nineteen seventy nine, in Japan only, selling Uh it for what was one hundred fifty dollars in nineteen seventy nine. So a fair bit of money, probably four hundred dollars today, if I had to guess. Sure. and they had predicted that it would only sell about 5,000 units a month, but in the first two months, they sold 30,000 units. Wow. Because there was a pent-up demand for a small, stable stereo player. Now, what made the Walkman special besides its size was that when it was designed, uh, it they implemented a magnetic uh, reduction system so it would it would reduce the amount of vibration effect on the cassette tape itself oh sure and so it still had a magnetic head that would play the medium just like every cassette player but it also had um some design mechanical design in the frame to neutralize uh and stabilize the cassette itself kind of how sony cameras have internal built image stabilization where the sensor is actually attached to an axis and when you bump up newton's third law of motion every uh action has an equal and opposite reaction thus the sensor goes down and stays in place and it reduces mechanical vibrations same thing for this and one wonders if sony's image stabilization is so good because they've been holding the patents on mechanical stabilization for so long but that's just speculation that's just speculation uh and so the walkman obviously broke through right away And what Sony decided to do was to take this giant success in marketing and just try and make everything portable. So you may remember, Dad, I have a 
I have three Sony products hanging on my wall. Yes. One of them is a Walkman. What are the other yep. two? So I want to say you have a portable CD player as well. And do you know what that one's called? I, I thought you were going to ask me that, and I do know as soon as you say it, it's going to make me go, yep, that's what it is. Uh, the CD man. The disc man. That's it. It, it is man. the disc man. And do you know yeah. what the other one I have is? The other Sony product is um, no, I don't. I don't remember what it is. I can see all your all of your Apple uh, products in my mind, but I can't see the third Sony one. I have a Watchman. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember you when you bought that. Yes, and yes. I do remember the Watchman as well. So. Using man at the end just kind of became their thing because it was, again, such a success, uh, such a marketing success, the Walkman, that they made portable televisions and they called them the Watchmen. Uh, but before they made that, they made the video Walkman, which was different than the Watchman. The Watchman uh, had a antenna that you could use to channel analog television back in the day. Right. But there was also the video Walkman, which used video eight cassette players. Oh, and it yes. It had a little screen and a little place to put your video eight cassette, and then you could watch it. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to look it up right now. What is the playtime of a video eight cassette? Do you know? I have no, no idea at all. Did, uh, did you have a video eight cassette player ever, Dad? No, never had one of those. And they weren't that big for that long, were they? No, no. In fact, it's one of those things where it, it kind of made a blip on the radar. But because it was such an unusual format here in the U.S., it wasn't a big, big seller. Yeah, so it looks like they ranged between 120 and 180, 180 minutes. So you could watch a full movie on this thing, which I right. think is interesting. But I wonder if the battery also lasted for two hours because so, battery technology so, was a long ways away. Right. So what I did have, I didn't have a video player, but I had a, like a, they called it a high eight uh, video recorder. So you would be able to, you know, it's like a video camera that would go on that same type of cassette. And so I do know that the batteries on those were not two hours. Those were probably 35 or 40 minutes max, even when they were brand spanking new. Sure. So then when you wanted to watch those, did you have like a home setup that could play video eight cassettes or did you just have to watch it back on the screen of the camera? No. So you had some adapters that would plug into the, um, Oh, AV so you leave it AVD. in the camera, but yes. you would plug the camera into the TV to watch it. Right. Exactly. That's or you could of, plug kind it kind of inventive. Yeah, it, it is. Or some of them you could plug into the v, into your VCR as well. So your VCR sometimes had an input. So you wouldn't have to use a separate input on the TV. It could sometimes run through the VCR if your VCR allowed that. And in order to boost their sales of other products, Sony also rebranded their portable radio receivers, which already existed as the FM Walkman in 1980. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. And then they launched the Discman in 1984, but it was, you know, it, it was as portable as a CD could get, but it was still quite a, 
uh, it's quite a hefty little piece of technology. I can tell yeah. you from owning all three of the 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 Watchman, the Discman, and the Walkman. I think that the Discman's heavier than the Watchman, which has a full um, CRT screen inside of it. <laughs> it's possible, and I, I, I will tell you that I did own both a Walkman and a Discman, and the Discman was clunky as all get out. Unless, I mean, it, part of the whole. Th- draw for the Walkman was that you could go out and do activities while you were yeah, listening. Yeah, because so it had that could, vibration reduction. Right? Yeah. Yeah, with the with the Discman, no chance. As and, soon as you... Yeah, go ahead. Skip, skip. It would skip all over the place. And the the key to that is you're working with a, a analog medium versus a laser red digital medium, right? Right. So a CD has a little head on it that rotates around this laser inscribed disc and it's it would be like have it's just like a record it would be like having a a record player attached to your hip there's a lot more mechanics involved the actual yes. medium has to turn versus just the the tape reeling uh, in a straight line it's actually rotating and you have to make sure the head is that is doing the right thing so uh the the disc man wasn't even close to as popular as the walkman not, none of the other walkman products were and they thought that they could fix it by maybe rebranding it as the cd walkman because they were worried that people were maybe not understanding that it was <laughs> the successor to the walkman people understood they just right. didn't care no. And I'm actually I'm so anti CD it's ridiculous. I I can't believe I mean I guess you have to walk so that you could run, but I'm surprised that we went with the CD instead of going straight from cassettes to like solid state memory like an SD card or a memory stick. I'm surprised. Uh, but I guess it's it's the case that creating solid state memory used to be just so astronomically expensive compared to disk exactly. imaging. Yes. But disk sucks so bad and cassettes are fine cuz disks they scratch. Like yes. you can you can break your tape player by rubbing the rubber dry and you'll wreck whatever tape you put in. But in general, I think a cassette, despite being a non-durable medium, is a lot more durable than a CD. Absolutely. It feels like if you, if you sneeze anywhere near a CD, there's 17 scratches on it. Yeah, it's really a frustrating thing. And I it's really must have just been so cheap for them to make yeah. them that they just really were able to push them hard. But yes, man, CDs suck. And They do. And I still, you know, I don't collect tapes. I kind of want to get into it. Um, but most of the good ones break because people listen to them. But same yes. could be said of a CD. Um, and the other annoying thing about a CD, like when you scratch a record, the record can still play. Yes. When you scratch a CD, it just skips back, but digitally so you can never really pass where you were at if the scratch is big enough if it's a small right. scratch then it's fine right but the, if if that scratch is on like a song that you really like you're kind of screwed yeah 
same same thing same principle goes with dvds obviously in movies it's just i i understand kind of like you said you have to walk before you can run so i understand why they needed to do that because it was a cheaper medium than a solid state uh, but it was and you obviously a dvd versus a uh, videotape had much higher quality blah 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 that kind of stuff but it, it was just a uh, rot with peril just pl- playing CDs. If you dropped it, it chipped or scratched and you were screwed. Yes. Speaking of uh, solid state music playing, do you remember your first MP3 player? My first MP3 player? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Um, it was, I can't even remember the manufacturer per se, but I remember it being a small little MP3 player. I think I got it in 1999 or 2000-ish. Seems like that, I mean, my memory could be a little off there, but it seemed like I had gone someplace for work and it was like an event of some sort. And one of the things that they were giving away was a solid state MP3 player where you could put literally like four songs. That's it, four songs on it. And I mean, they didn't tell you where you could get those songs. So those of us who... We're very inventive. <laughs> we're, we're able to acquire them from various different sources. May or may not be Napster or LimeWire or anything of that nature. But yes, and, and I remember it have. It was probably about the size of like a cigarette lighter, and it had four or five buttons that were you know forward, stop, play, reverse, and I'm trying to remember what the other thing was. Uh, maybe it was just uh, a, it wasn't a record. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But that's that's what the uh, first solid state one I had was. Uh, my first solid state MP3 player was given to me from you, which you yeah. also got at a Microsoft conference. But it was special because it had two gigs of internal memory yes. versus four songs worth, and it was <laughs> it was made by Dell, and this yes. was before all of the companies realized how far behind apple they really were in the industry they kept trying to break in with their own innovative ways but the yep i feel like just as soon as i got my mp3 player you you gave it to me because you had gotten an ipod classic and then i think right after that they announced the the iphone or ipod touch so actually, uh, I did give it to you because I did get something else, but it wasn't the iPod Classic right away. Uh, it was the Microsoft Zune. Zune. Oh, I forgot about yes. the Zune. The Zune, the brown box. Uh, you know, the thing that was interesting about that was they had a cool concept in that if you uh, subscribed to their monthly fee of, what was it, 10 or 15 bucks, you got to keep all the songs that you downloaded that you got to keep them. So that's what kind of what their draw was. Uh, those always went with you. There was no digital rights management or whatever on that. And so that was kind of the draw, but you're right. After I had the Zune for a little while, then the iPod classic came out and we flipped to that just because it was just so much better medium and format. Yeah. And sexier than the Zune. Oh, of course. Yes. But uh, Sony, they came out with their memory stick Walkman, they called it. Uh, yes. on the, their marketing department again, just milking it for all it was worth. Yeah, uh, that came out in 
September of 1999. So your memory is probably correct because I feel like sure. if Sony was making it, it was probably starting to become popular. Yes. And that uh, that was when all of the copyright stuff started you know, popping up. People were so worried about MP3s for exactly what you were talking about, LimeWire first and Napster. And it was funny because they kept marketing about how secure their copyright stuff was to customers <laughs> as though that yes. would sell the iPod or it's not the iPod. See, look at me. I'm calling it an iPod. <laughs> the memory stick Walkman and a lot of other MP3 manufacturers did the same thing. And it was like, you guys realize the the people that you're selling it to hope it ha doesn't have good copyright protections. Exactly. Um, but it, it was it was pretty special. The the Sony player adhered to the Secure Digital Music Initiative, which then got was was bunk. But it would only play legally downloaded music. So right. part of the file had like a DRM key to it, and the Walkman could unlock that key, and then it could play the download. Yes. Which I'd never learned about until this. Like, I'd never heard of that before where you could have an MP3 player. Because then they must have specified where you downloaded your music as well. Right. And that's kind of where uh, Apple got really into the game. And same thing with Microsoft, where they had their stores where you could download music directly from uh, the music store for Microsoft and then the music store, Apple Music. Uh, through iTunes. And if you, what happened with, at least with iTunes, I know this isn't Sony, but at least with iTunes, if I'm remembering this correctly, if you had uh, uh, music that was from Napster or from LimeWire and you tried to put it through iTunes, they had put out a, a an update that stopped that from being able to go onto your iPod and it wouldn't even go into your iTunes. It would just mark it as being uh, illegal and you could not download it. So, so it's, it had, it's interesting because that didn't last, Dad, because even after no. Napster shut down, every single song on my iPod was uh, acquired through questionable moral means. <laughs> yes. And it, they some, never... Some of what you may have gotten from me. They never tried to stop it or me. Like, I would go... Maybe I didn't do this, but maybe I did... I would allegedly go to school and sit down at a school computer because I was afraid that they would track me because I had intentions to download thousands upon thousands of songs. Yes. And I would download all of it onto the school computer and then transfer it onto a USB drive and then bring it home, plug the USB drive into my computer and load it into iTunes. Not right. that that would have changed the files in any way, just where I downloaded them. Exactly. But um, it, it never put up a fuss. So to me, this whole, the idea of like DRM protected music, I never knew that that was like a movement until I was reading about all the various iterations of the Walkman. Because now I thought that's, and it probably is, one of the main drivers for the music industry moving to a streaming format in addition to right. the money that's in it for them. 
it also makes it so that you as the consumer never own any of your music. That's correct. And I, and I go ahead. I say, and I think that's part of the reason why albums became real popular again, because people liked to stream and listen to music, but then they realized, Hey, I don't really own this. And if I want to keep this forever, I'm going to start buying albums. Yeah. I don't think anybody ever vocalized that, that, but that probably is the psychology of it. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of good reasons to get a physical medium for me when I buy a record. Yeah, I think it is exactly what you just said. I think it's like, I think that this is special and I want to be able to carry it with me wherever I go as like a, a symbol that this is something that I care about. Yes. Not, not necessarily because I think it, that it sounds better though. Many, uh, Music files will say such. Audio files, they call them. Um, I I still think you get just more than enough out of your your iPod headphones or your Walkman headphones, those little um, pieces of yellow foam that they would give you on the end of yes. two very cheap speakers. <laughs> yes, they were. And the foam after not very long period of time would start to fray and you get a chunk of it that would fall off here, fall off there. That was good. Yeah. And so then Sony also tried to foray into the, the digital space, uh, partnering with Vio who they also make, um, Oh yeah. Laptops. Yeah. Making MP3 players, but, and they made them for years up, you know, well through the 2012s, 2013s, um, they might still make one now, but it wasn't worth reading about. Yeah, I don't know anybody who owned a Sony MP3 player. I mean, I know people who owned a lots of different MP3 players. Like you said, Dell made one for a period of time. HP had one, obviously Apple. And, um, you know, Microsoft had one. Uh, lo- lots of folks did. I didn't know anyone who had a Sony one, though. Yeah. Which is funny, which is funny because in the 80s, everybody had Walkmans. Everybody did. You know, and so you would have thought that through uh, the fact that they kept innovating in theory over the years that you may stay with that, but they didn't innovate enough to to keep the, the people who wanted that music. Well, that just kind of shows you how fickle the market can be because you can't ac- accuse Sony of not innovating. They continue to right. come out with new technology to offer things to people. Like the first Walkman had two headphone jacks and it, it had a, rec- a re- recording, sorry, not recording, but it had a microphone on it, like right. transparency mode. So you could click the button and it would it would turn on the microphone and lower the volume of the music automatically so that if someone was talking to you, you could hear what they were saying while still listening to the music, which is super innovative and super cool. Absolutely. Then they dropped that off because they were like, well, nobody ever wants to listen two people don't want to listen to the music at the same time. We'll just drop it down to one audio jack. But that would have been kind of fun, like on a plane or something, maybe. I'm not sure. For sure. And they got rid of that transparency mode as well, um, I guess just because people didn't see a need for it. But obviously very innovative. And then they were sure. doing, you know, they were doing the CD Walkman. They were doing the video Walkman. They were doing the Watchman. They were doing the digital audio tape. Walkman, the mini disc Walkman. 
Um, they, they were doing all of it. The DVD Walkman, the Network Walkman. But they just what what's what's the network Walkman? Uh, the the network Walkman is just a classification of any memory stick Walkman or hard disk Walkman. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't know why they chose the word networking Walkman, but yeah, that seems like an odd choice. But that's what they chose. Uh, they didn't. I guess it was they called it that because it was not. They they weren't using MP3s. They were using their own file format, uh, which is something uh, Sony likes right. to do a lot. Like, for example, yep. my camera can put a Memory Stick Pro Duo in it, which nobody uses. Everybody uses SD cards. And yet Sony still believes that someday their hard disks are going to catch fire, but they never did. <laughs> it's um, kind of like the Sony Betamax. Yes, exactly. They're always doing that. And I don't think they have a market in Japan either. Maybe they do. I'm not I sure. Know. But certainly in America, their foray into to actual like media storage has all just fallen flat on its face. And I don't know how they make any money doing that. Good but question. they were doing all this innovating and... And they were sticking with branding that they knew worked, and yet it just it completely fell apart for them. They completely lost the market. And I just, I think that's interesting because a lot of companies, you either have to be the cheapest around or you have to be the most creative around uh, or you have to offer the best services. Those are kind of the three. So either you're able to, you have a, a large quantity of products that you can sell uh, and hand them off immediately. You have them at the right price, or you have a feature that nobody else can offer. And it seems like Sony was was trying to do all of that, and yet they just completely got diluted uh, in a in a market full of other alternatives. Right. So, if you ever start a a music brand, don't name it Walkman because the history. <laughs> is bound to be failure. The history is against you. Uh, of course, Sony still has other handheld devices, like the PlayStation Portable they had. Yep. That was a, a big breakthrough device for them, and maybe that's more due to the success of the PlayStation than, a, than anything, uh, and the fact that you could play PlayStation games on the go, and that wasn't really a thing other than Game Boys, uh, which had only Nintendo type games you couldn't play playstation or xbox right. games on them right and they say they're going to come out with another playstation portable but it's been years since they said that and uh right and they haven't so anyway you can buy a walkman on ebay mine was cheap because it doesn't work but i knew that i didn't want to listen to tapes on it i just wanted to hang it on my wall but they're not that crazy expensive uh, you really? just gotta let's look right now i bought mine a yeah, long time ago I'd, I'd be curious to to know how much they were right now i'd be interested to hear what your guess is okay well i am going to say 115 bucks for a walkman in okay condition yeah see so now that doesn't sound that expensive to me right if that is what it is or does that sound expensive to you like for, uh, for something from 1979 that has like truly iconic branding, that's that's kind of a good deal, isn't it? 
Hmm. I don't know. I guess because I, I, I won't buy one. So to me, that does sound expensive. If it was 60 bucks, I'd be a little more interested. I think you are old enough that you had one. So you don't understand how cool and nostalgic it is. Yes. That's probably somebody true. who do, who doesn't have one. Uh, right there now, you. this Sony Walkman WM4, which I believe would be the the fourth generation okay. of it, uh, is selling for two hundred fifty dollars. Okay. For best offer. Okay. Uh, All right. There is newer ones, uh, the WMF1, selling for fifty. But it's not as old, and it's also broken. <laughs> there you go. Uh, then there's a Sony Sports Walkman. They call it. Oh yes, an, it, it, it had sweat resistance built in. Plus, it had an AM, FM, FM radio tuner. player. As yes, well. that was awesome. Those were cool. You had that one? No, I wanted that one. That was the one that, and I th- in my mind, it's yellow, like a bright yellow. It is bright uh, yellow. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I remember, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the one." But once it's you once you owned one, you weren't getting another one. Twenty five dollars. Um, it can't. But be it's working. parts. It's parts only. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a Walkman WM one, the first generation, wow. for seventy dollars, but not working. It's just hard to find one that's working. I guess. I suppose. Uh, but I I understand that. It, if we look at a new one, one never opened. Um, they're around. Well, that's two, that's I'd say two thousand bucks. Two thousand dollars for a for a first edition unopened Walkman, which I understand. Yes, that makes sense to me. And for an unopened Sony Sports Walkman, seven hundred nineteen ninety okay. nine. Wow, that's better than. So now, does it have a photo of that? So it's it's yellow. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they also had unique headphones. So they had. Yes, they had the the part that went into your ear was almost more like the I'm gonna call it like the the, the AirPod. wired AirPods. Yes, it looked more like that, except for it was over the head. Yes, it was um it was over the head, and they were like little bulbs, is what I would yes. call them that you would yep, stick exactly. into your ears. Yep, yeah. and you looked super sporty in it. Yes, absolutely. That was I mean you had the the bright yellow going and the bulbs were, I think the, the bulbs themselves may have been yellow uh, and the over the headband maybe had a yellow trim and it was black. It's, yes. It, this is all from memory. So, and you, you didn't have one and you wanted one. Is that what you said? That's correct. I did not have one. Once you got one, your parents weren't buying you a second one. That they're like, why do you need one? This one sure. works, right? That makes sense. That makes sense to me, but I bet, I bet it looked really cool on all the, kids whose parents waited to get them a walkman and then they got them that one yeah that they were pretty cool did you ever think about stealing a kid's walkman (laughs) i did i did not no because that would be horrible well you stole your music so i well that's different that's you know stealing Stealing from from the man versus stealing from yeah exactly sure sure enough well i think the walkman's special and i think that it's it's cool if they had a, a vintage merch shop on Sony.com, which maybe they do, but I don't, I, I haven't looked. I would probably buy a Walkman T-shirt, not with the weird W dots that they use for their branding, 
but for the spelled out word Walkman and that fun font they have. Yeah, that font is cool. So that would see that's the other thing. If I and I could be wrong here, but the did this didn't the sport Walkman have kind of a different font for the word sport as well? Uh, it was more of a scripty style thing. It had the standard Walkman. Yeah, it's like thought, it's like italicized and yeah. it's got like lines going through it and it's blue. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was slightly different. Yeah. That's the Sony Walkman. Nice. I love it. See, now I, I do. Now I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, how much would I pay for a working Walkman? Hmm, I don't know. But t- to me, the thing that would be cool, you're talking about the vintage thing, uh, and I don't know that this would sell, but it would be kind of cool if they did kind of a throwback version of the Walkman and the Sport Walkman, but oh, yeah. they were solid, solid state drives. But they, but they looked, looked like, like Oh, yeah, they're leaving yes. a lot of money on the table. They could sell that, something like that for, like, $500. Right. I think that people would buy it. I mean, maybe not the same size, something that's a little more, you know, well, maybe not. I mean, people, uh, your no, phone is, is that size. I would literally, I don't even know if I would do it solid state. I would, I mean, maybe, like, you have an option to, like, load sure. stuff onto it, but just yeah. leave the exact same design. Sure. Yeah, maybe put a little USB thing, put a USB rechargeable battery in it. Yeah. And, and I like cassettes are already selling like gangbusters. Yeah, they would, huge. they would sell like gangbusters. They're leaving a I ton of money on yeah. the table. So, someone's missing out there. I think we need to uh, send a couple notes to some Sony execs. My guess is that somebody in the marketing team at Sony would say it's dangerous for us to position ourselves as a brand of the past when we are trying to continue to innovate. You know, okay, then then sell sell somebody else your patent, and but if it says Sony on it, it would still it would evoke the same thing. Doesn't really matter who's making it. It, You could say Sony says on it. S O N I Sony. Sony, 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 whatever. Anyway, I don't. I I don't. You know, I think they could go for the nostalgia and still win. But I, I do too. Think about how hard it was for. Nintendo to agree to do a NES emulator model. I know. I and know. I, I think that they could make a, a ton of money if they had an app on your iPhone where you could buy Game Boy games as well. Oh, for sure. Like, cause you can do emulators on there, but they don't have any like legal way for you to do it. Yeah. And it, they people should. People would buy it and use that stuff. I it, It's funny I understand that people want to innovate, but that technically is innovating. You're you're taking an older platform, putting it onto a new platform, and people are able to go back and have that nostalgic thing. Maybe, you know, you didn't get to use the Walkman per se, but you've heard about it from your parents and your parent, your grandparents and all that kind of stuff. And having something like that, I think would have some mass appeal. I don't, you would, they would make a ton of money, yeah. a ton of money. Well, I think they feel like they made their money because within a decade of launch, they had already owned 50% of the United States um, portable cassette market. So yeah, that's that, pretty impressive. It just sold like gangbusters, and I think they want to leave it in the past, but I don't want them to leave it in the past. I'm yeah. just selfish, though. Yeah, I, I don't, I, like I said, I think that there would be a lot of people who would like to see it come back. I mean, think about this. You said this started from an executive who said, hey, you know what? I want to be able to listen to music on the go. And if he didn't do that, I'm sure someone else would have come up with the idea. But if you think about that, that really 
set us on the path to, and I'm, I'm going to make a big leap here, but you know, Spotify and Apple music and Google music and Amazon music and streaming, all of that stuff does not exist. If this device didn't happen. True. Although, um, Andreas Pavel of Brazil did invent the stereo belt, uh, which was a belt. <laughs> no idea what that is. It's a belt that you would, uh, put batteries into that had two pairs of like, um, single ear headphones, like the kinds of the sport ones that you put over your ear that you'd put in each ear and then you would put a cassette into it, or it would have the ability to hold a portable cassette player that you could strap to it. Interesting. Huh. Um, and he sued Sony and lost. Yeah, I think so, because his sounds like a crappy design. That's what. That's actually what the judge said. He said, this is not particularly innovative. <laughs> and he threw out the case, which is a funny thing to say to a man who did decide to put batteries into a belt and attach headphones <laughs> to it, because that does... It might sound, it's stupid, but it is innovative. I mean, for God's yeah. sake. So, I, I'm, yeah, RIP Andreas Pavel, I gave you your moment in the sun. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates it. He was bummed out when he lost the case, but it's okay. He, Sony sure clearly he did not steal that from him because it's not even the same thing. But because no. people could walk around with it, he claimed that they stole it from him, which is just yeah. a funny thing to claim. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but for sure, the Walkman is special. It may might not be Andreas Pavel's stereo belt, but it's still special. All right, Dad, how about This Week in Media? All right, This Week in Media, a book that I read recently written by Matt Fitzgerald called How Bad Do You Want It? And it's really a story about mental toughness and athletics. And the, the story itself, the book itself is written as a conglomeration of a bunch of different stories about various different athletes of various different levels. So some professional athletes, some amateur athletes, some wannabe athletes, and how they got through the challenging times that they were in. So one example is a marathoner who was certainly not at the same level as the top marathoners, but because he refused to, to stop running and he refused to stop running at a certain speed, he was able to mentally power through things and uh, finish and actually win the marathon that he was in. Uh, so it, it was a great story. It gave me some inspiration in terms of what I'm trying to do. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I would highly recommend it, not just as a sports book, but just as a mental strength and mental fitness style book. That's kind of like that guy who ran that four-minute mile who wasn't an athlete. Right, yes. Does he use him as an example? He, he does not. He mentions that, I think, in the forward, if I'm remembering correctly. And part of the reason why he doesn't use that is, you know, obviously there's a whole it's other book. Yeah, there was a whole other book written on that. And so this was more unique stories uh, that, that hadn't been covered. Matt Fitzgerald has written several books uh, that, that are about athleticism. He writes very well. Uh, this is just a book that was recommended to me by somebody last year, and so I read it and thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad. Mine's yeah. also sporty, and it was a media event, but uh, All right. 
I got to go to the NHL Winter Classic last oh, week. Oh, yes. Through yes. work. And it was like a fun little time to sit outside okay. at Fenway. It was actually 50 degrees, which is oh, the warmest nice. day that we had out here in a while. Uh, and so the ice was melting. I you bet. Had to work really hard with the Zamboni to shave the layers off in between periods. But Oh, yes. It was something special to see like people sitting up on the green monster in Fenway yeah. looking down at a hockey rink. It was just... Yeah. It was crazy, and I got a little Bruins Winter Classic hat. Nice, and um, and they had some, they had some fun antics there. It was a whole thing. But I, I've just been lucky with the sports events I've gotten to go to, given how little yeah. I care about any sport besides <laughs> basketball. Yeah. And, so, um, yeah, cool. so the thing is, the Bruins are having a great year. They have a shot to win the whole shooting match this year. Yeah, I know. They were 28-4-4 so, four and four at, at the, that point, and then they won that game. I don't know what they've done since. Oh, it's pretty amazing. Though. It's cool that you got to be able to see that. You know, that obviously rotates around every year, and it's a big deal for the NHL. Yes, and in so, Minnesota last year. Holler, yeah. holler, home state. Yeah, so they... They, and that was the first time it had been in Minnesota. They've been trying to get it there for many years and they finally were able to get it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to, to have that because it's a unique situation, right? It's outdoors all the time and you have, it's, they're in unique venues and you have the ability to watch a, a, a cool sport in a unique venue that it's not normally played in. Yeah. They had a, they had a, the main rink where they, played the game but they also had a separate sure. rink that was designed to look like a baseball diamond oh yeah and they had the teams line up there for the introductions and very the, cool announcing the starting players and then they I oh god i wish i remembered the player but they brought out a famous red Sox pitcher like long retired and if it don't say names because i'm not going to remember who it was I, even if, i won't then even with name recognition fair um, enough and they brought out a famous retired Bruins um, shooter, or I don't know what he was. Maybe he was a wing, a defenseman. I don't know what he a was. A player. A player. Just, he was a player. He played. And <laughs> they did the inaugural first puck pitch. So the oh sure the guy took the puck and pitched it with a hockey stick and oh he was a goalie that's what it was okay and the guy caught it with his glove which was very impressive nice yeah it's just kind of fun so i you know well, you had mentioned that the uh bruins players came out uh dressed as uh red sox players correct right so they they didn't come out that way they got off the bus and walked into Fenway oh, sure. and like how the media always stands in that one corner. Cause that's where the Fenway, yep. the, the Red Sox players get off the bus and go in. And when right. they got off, they were all wearing vintage Red Sox jerseys. That is and cool like too. Carrying bats and balls and stuff. I like that. Yeah. It cool, was really cool special. Touch. You should look that up on, on Instagram when you get the chance. Yeah. But, that's awesome. Yeah. That was my This Week in Media. It was a live event, but it was still media. Good stuff. All right, Dad, what's something you learned this week? All right, so I learned about bananas this week. 
banana. So, yes, the grocery store bananas that you typically see are a specific kind of banana, the yes. Cavendish banana. And, and a big risk of them going extinct. Yes. So the reason these are the chosen banana is because they're a little sweeter, they're a little creamier, but they have a very specific color of yellow. In fact, there is a Pantone color that is preferred for certain bananas over other bananas. So the Pantone color that is best selling and most inviting is Pantone 12-0752 TPX Buttercup. That is the highest selling banana. Uh, and then the other banana that's out there, but it doesn't sell as well because it's one shade cooler is Pantone 13-0858 TCX Vibrant Yellow. And I looked up both of these colors and you can absolutely see a difference. And I do think that the Buttercup one is more warm and inviting. And it would make me say, hey, if I saw a banana with this color, I would absolutely buy that over the other banana. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Wild bananas do. also have seeds throughout. They don't just have them concentrated in one place. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Bananas are one of those fruits, uh, well, almost every fruit we eat, but one that people just imagine grew on a tree and you just picked it off and then somebody's like, oh, we should grow banana trees. But there's been a lot of genetic um, engineering through reproduction with bananas, same as sure. watermelons or apples or anything. Right, right. And uh, the species of bananas, sometimes you have to change because there will be an outbreak. But yes, that that's is what led to the Cavendish uh, banana. Cavendish being it because of the tropical fungus that wiped out a whole different variety. Gone. So the Cavendish took over. Yeah, it's it's fun how you get your fruit, even though fruit yeah. suck and nobody should eat them. <laughs> I love fruit. So how about yourself, Trudy? What did you learn this week? I learned that January is the highest incidents of cheating it, like of on your partner cheating. oh wow okay january 9th specifically is the date that they suspect the most people cheat on their partner wow as so that happens to be the day we're that we're recording yes as a that's why i learned that today <laughs> and they've repeated the study many years in a row by having sites that are for discrete dates report when they see the largest boost in numbers and they've landed okay. on the second monday of each january as people wow. um i guess with their new year's resolutions try to regain their freedom which is interesting or or maybe cheating on their spouse is one of their is one of their resolutions and they got it out of the way right just away. directly yeah well you yeah. got to get it got to get them done it's good to knock one off in january right exactly well cuz then you can make up for it in february right it's valentine's day so now, right. oh, i didn't really mean it you know blah 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 right or if you do it if you did it discreetly enough all the, you know then maybe you would feel the personal guilt and just go all out for Valentine's Day, but sure. they would never know. Sure. Yeah. Despicable thing to do, in my opinion, but fun that we can track True. when people do it most. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, so that's what I learned this week. Awesome. I like that. And how about this week in Brian? Well, this week in Brian, I am, by the time you guys hear this, uh, I will have run my marathon. I, I am going to be running my marathon coming up in five days. So I've been training very hard for it. I am excited for it. I'm nervous to beat the band about it. And it's not because, uh, you know, I think I'm, I have a chance to win. Of course I don't. Uh, I just, in my mind, this is a big task I've, and I want to be able to do it. And it's a goal that I've had, but there's still that nervous energy. And so we were talking about nervous energy at the beginning of the call as it relates to the Sunday scaries. I've had the Sunday scaries for the last two weeks, my friend, just anticipating this. You're going to crush uh, and, it. You did you know, crush it, but this is, this already <laughs> happened and you crushed it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I that was is so proud of you on the day that that <laughs> happened. <laughs> well, I, I am hoping that all of that is true. And uh, yeah, that's what's going on this week. And Brian, how about yourself, Georgie? Congratulations. I'm going to Minnesota this weekend to visit a couple of friends, nice. which Good. could be kind of fun because the Vikings are, are still in it and people in Minnesota might be excited about that yeah. on the weekend. So yes, should be good. Yeah, that'd be fun. But thanks for sharing, and and thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of You'll Understand When You're Younger. We will be back next week with more useless information for you guys to absorb, so hang tight. And thanks to Ted Heineshevitz for you and I from his album It's Fine. Get that anywhere you can get your music. Take us out, Ted. Together, you and I, you and I, you and I.